CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, when there's little money actually moving in a sideways market, look to where the money sits in the banks. We'll show you how to play the sector that is ripe for a withdrawal. And then thinking of setting up an Apple options trade before the big iPhone event next week? Well, don't. We've got a wiser Apple alternative play. Finally, a look back two-for-one deal on our recent consumer staples plays in Hormel and Kroger. We'll explain the best way to cash in your coupons on both. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action Live from the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Mike Coe, Carter Worth, and Brian Sutland. Well, as the markets close out a losing week amid renewed rate woes, the financial sector has been trailing even further behind. Carter thinks that's indicative of a larger theme at work here. Carter. So interesting, of course, regional banks have been the worst. Mm-hmm. Obviously, J.P. Morgan has been the best, but still the BKX index of larger banks all struggling. Uh, but the investment banks and brokers, uh, which are highly cyclical, of course, they're making all-time relative highs to the BKX and to the KRE. But now, on an absolute basis, they look to be rolling over. Let's look at a chart or two. So uh, we're going to sort of stick with Morgan Stanley here. The first thing to note, and it's quite, uh, it's quite remarkable, is that Morgan Stanley is essentially the same price it was in, in September of 2000. Hmm. So now, <laughs> if you have a stock that's gone sideways for 23 years, that means adjusted for inflation, you've lost about half your money. So it's been a 23-year experience where every year you lose about 2.5%. Uh, that's uh, pretty unhappy. Uh, let's zero in a little closer. So this is the trend line in effect since the COVID low. We have converging trend lines. One could say your arrow is wrong, Carter. It's going to break out. I think that arrow is right. I think it's going to break down. Uh, let's go even, uh, even shorter term and, and wrap here. What we have is that line is in play. Do we breach? It is, to be fair, a series of higher lows since the lows of about a year ago. I think we're going to break. All right. So, Mike, uh, do you agree with Carter's assessment? And and what's the trade here? Yeah, I mean, so let's just talk about the space first. I mean, what's kind of curious about the group, if we're just talking about the banks and brokers, so the big ones would be Goldman, Morgan, J.P. Morgan, and so on. Uh, Just on a historical basis, their valuations don't look terribly expensive. I mean, we're probably looking at something in the neighborhood of uh, of you know, 10, 11 times earnings, something like that, which is below the historical average. But if you just take a look at the news that has been coming out of these companies basically since June, almost every one of them has been announcing uh, headcount reductions. You know, so we've got layoffs most recently from Barclays. We heard that from Schwab. We heard that from Citi. Uh, we heard that from UBS. It's probably not surprising. They're trying to digest Credit Suisse. And J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs also. So to be fair, you know, talk see about trying to Mike, sorry to interrupt. We're having some issues with your audio here, so we're going to have to try and um, get that straightened out before you lay out the trade because we do want to get those levels and, and what you're doing um, loud and clear across to the audience. But Brian, what's your take here on Carter's assessment? Um, you know, he he mentioned that the the arrow could go up, but he thinks the arrow is going to go down. Do you do you agree with that? And how are you feeling about the brokers? Yeah, I, I think, the, you know, some of the banks and the major brokers have really been a trade where they're kind of stuck in the mud. And I think that wedging channel that you're seeing that Carter brought up 
is a real potential that if the market goes south, some of these brokers could break to the downside, Morgan Stanley being one of them. The one thing I will say, though, with some of these big major players in the financial sector is that one thing we like to do is actually trade structured notes with them. That basically is a, is a fancy word for saying selling a downside put or vice versa selling an upside call. So we think they're actually relatively pretty good premiums in some of these names. We think the Fed comes to the rescue on any major downside risk in some of these big names. So selling a way out of the money put going a few months out is always seems to make sense. And, and something like Morgan Stanley, where it looks like maybe the top is capped off, selling an upside call makes a lot of sense. We're looking at premiums that, you know, call it, you know, 90 days out that are providing pretty relatively good annualized returns over or near 15 percent. So I think when something is sort of just stuck in the mud or maybe has the potential to break to the downside, as Carter mentioned, selling an upside call makes a lot of sense in some of these names, taking some premium. Uh, Mike, I think we've got you back. I think we've got the audio issues straightened out. So let's give it a whirl. What's the trade here? Sounded like Brian may have been alluding to it, actually. I mean, what I was taking a look at was selling an upside uh, credit call spread and using uh, one in Morgan Stanley that expires before they're going to be reporting earnings, which they do in the third week of October. Specifically, I was looking to the October 6th weekly 8688 call spread. You could collect about 72 cents for that. Just a couple quick important things when you sell call spreads. You want to try to avoid those catalysts. That's when stocks get re-rated, repriced, and you could see basically all of uh, that premium either come in your favor or go immediately against you. And also don't try to chase you know, high premiums, essentially. You really want to try to look for situations where you're range-bound, neutral to bearish when you do these types of trades. So Carter, you had mentioned that the regionals are the worst. Is there any hope for them since the stronger banks are rolling over, in your view? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, let's just say one could say, well, there's no downside. Okay, let's cede that point to the other side. But what is the upside? It's always about that. Because investing is always about risk. It's managing it. And let's just cede the point to the person who's bullish. And I would say, fine, there's no downside. But what is it that's going to make banks right here and now get up on their feet and start outperforming? Uh, I just don't see it. And there's also this. The largest financial in the financial sector, of course, is Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway is making all-time highs. There's a reason for that, because it's highly defensive, right? That's an anti-market kind of thing. Right. Uh, Mike, last word to you. Yeah, I mean, as I was saying before, and maybe you guys heard this and maybe you didn't based on the audio <laughs> issues, but you know, the fact is that you don't typically see an industry en masse laying people off when times are good. That's just not the pattern. Uh, so it doesn't seem, based on their actions, uh, like things are really good, which suggests that the very cheap valuations that we're seeing in a lot of these stocks are cheap for a reason, because they are below their historical averages. All right. Let's turn to one of the bigger movers from this week now, and that would be Apple. The tech titan souring nearly 6% this week, but there could be a better alternative in the software space. Carter's peering into his crystal ball for this one, or maybe the charts. Carter. <laughs> so we're going to look at some other old world names, but uh, for fun, let's get right to it. Let's do a little bit of funny mentals just to really put this in context, because it's not even clear uh, whether Apple's a growth stock or a value stock. In fact, and this is to be noted, Apple's been in and out of the S&P 500 growth or value index like three times each. Mm. So sometimes it's growing, sometimes it's not. But yeah, take a look here and you'll see that this is quite a stunner, I think. So on a 10-year basis, 2013 to 2023, look at the difference between, of course, the shares outstanding and look at the multiple. Basically, you've had Earnings growth, you've had revenue growth, they're all very modest, but the share price is what's moved. It's simply a buyback machine. 
there isn't really anything very impressive other than multiple expansion. And at this point, um, we're starting to see it in the charts. And let's look at two relative charts. And we've looked at these uh, earlier in the week. So the last week in September, a year ago, Apple puts in its relative peak. On a one-year basis, Apple's up only 14 15%. The tech sector is almost double that at 30. The semis are up 42. You could have bought a Broadcom up 60. Uh, so many other choices. So the opportunity cost here has been really a disaster. The final chart uh, is the same relative chart. It's a ratio. It's one thing divided by another. We are breaking trend, uh, topping out. Apple, over the past year, has been a bad pick. Wow. Uh, Mike, what's your take on this? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. He was talking about the buybacks. Ten years ago, the company essentially bought back 5% of its outstanding shares. And each year since, the amount in dollar terms has either been flat or declining. But of course, the value of the company has been increasing. And what that means is that as a percentage of the company, you're, they're buying ever smaller and smaller amounts of it back. So, you know, the impact of those buybacks is going to diminish as that takes place. So, I get the point that Carter is making, using essentially the tremendous cash flow that the company has been generating, and nobody's mm -hmm. denying that it has been a cash flow generating machine, to buy back their shares has a diminishing benefit over time. Yeah. So with all this said, Brian, people might be looking for an alternative trade, and you've got one, an Oracle. Yeah, I do. And Oracle is one of those names where if you're looking to move out of Apple, Oracle, I think, is one of those plays. It's also a play where if you've had some high-flying tech names in your portfolio, such as some from the semiconductors that are up huge on the year, I'm looking to sort of rotate into a safer tech bet. And Oracle, I think, is one of those. We have earnings coming up here. When I look at the charts, though, the stock obviously has had a big run. It's trading near all-time highs. To me, sometimes I get this feeling, oh, can I really buy it here? Am I just chasing it? But I think they're going to have some good earnings here. We're seeing double-digit growth potentially for their cloud applications. They have a play in the AI world, not to mention... Obviously, they're continual customers that they have and they will have. But by them becoming a bigger, bigger player on the cloud provider, I think they are just sort of taking over this world and you get a little bit of an AI world play with them. I think, though, if I'm here to just try and buy the stock, I think there's a lot of risk. There's a big catalyst event coming up. Like I said, earnings. I want to be a little safer when I go in to first buy this stock. So I think we can use call spreads to do that. They're a little bit pricey, but... The earnings move big enough. We've seen the stock, although it's been a few quarters now before it's moved significantly to the downside. We have seen seven, nine percent moves on the downside, you know, a couple of years ago. So there is some risk here when you step in it before ahead of an earnings event. I think a call spread in this situation where I'm looking for the 125, 145 call spread, I'm going to buy the 125 call, sell a 145 call against it to sort of lower my cost. This is something that's going to expire. I'm going to give it some time to run to the upside here I'm going out to November. You see right there on the call spread, break even 131.34. So above there, I get to profit all the way up to 145. I'll be called away from the stock at that level. But I think I'm risking a little bit here. I think 145 is sort of my price target, so I'm willing to be called away up at that level. I think there's room to run, and this is a call spread, a safe way to sort of get into a stock kind of trading near all-time highs. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Adobe stock is up more than 60% year-to-date and ending this week sitting right under its 52-week high. With its quarterly report out next week, now is the perfect time to deploy an options trade. We'll show you how to set up. Plus... 
Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome back to Options Action. Another tech name out with earnings next week. Adobe, the software stock surging this year up nearly 67%. And if you think Photoshopping this one out of your portfolio after its big run is a good idea, think again. Mike's got a way to play it. So, Mike, what's the answer? Yeah, so Adobe is one of uh, our holdings. And one of the reasons, or two of really the reasons for that, is that they are really at the intersection of a couple secular tailwinds that I think are quite important. Uh, one of those, of course, is digitization. Uh, you know, we're talking now about the fact that, and this was accelerated by remote work, uh, we're increasingly moved to to digital work. Um, and, you know, if you think about how that impacts people, just imagine something like DocuSign, their equivalent is eSign, but obviously that obviously is a big benefit for them. Another, of course, is social media creators who use a lot of their products including things like Creative Cloud. So we're talking now about people who are creating videos, putting them on YouTube and elsewhere. Uh, They create a lot of software that uh, they use. So that's a real benefit. Of course, if we're taking a look at enterprise spending, if there is a little bit of caution there, that is one area. And one other thing I would certainly say is that kind of like the Oracle situation that Brian was talking about before, this is a company that's had a heck of a run, up more than 60% year to date. It is trading at a slight premium to its own historical multiple. It'd probably be trading around the 515, 520 area at its own historical multiple. So if you don't already own the stock, but you want to be long going into a catalyst, And as we were mentioning before, the time to essentially look at things like call spreads, which is the trade we're going to articulate here, you want to have an identified catalyst. We've got one in the form of earnings. So I was simply just taking a look at buying a call spread here. It's a high dollar stock, something important to remember, 550, 560 bucks. I was looking at the November 565, 625 call spread. That would cost $21, uh, $22-ish per call spread. So that's going to be a decent outlay of premium. An important point for people who are looking to reduce the amount of premium, one way you can also do that is by tightening up those strikes. So uh, essentially you have less reward, of course, but you can lay out less premium. And that's one of the things you face when you're dealing uh, with options on stocks that cost, you know, five, $600 a share. Carter, what do the charts look like? Right. So the, the key here, it's it, year-to-date performance is arbitrary, right? If we're sitting here in January, year-to-date means nothing. Right. right? Okay. So what, what's important is where you are in relation to where you've been. Apple has recovered all of its losses and gone on to make new highs, but is faltering. Whereas Oracle has recovered its losses and is making new highs. But Adobe has yet to make it back to the highs. And that is the reference point that matters. So uh, I think you play this for a catch-up. And we might have a comparative chart as well, just to make this point. As a matter of technique, um, you either go with a real winner and playing relative strength, that would be Oracle, or you double back and find a laggard like Adobe. But the one in the middle is the one that's not interesting. That's Apple. Hmm. Brian, what's your take? Do you like this one too? I, I do, and I actually I even like the the length of the of the strikes that Mike picked here because when you look at earnings prior Adobe, five percent is about the norm for the stock to move after earnings. 
that could put you all the way up to that upside strike, which Mike is short in this case. And as we know, after earnings events, those short strikes start to lose implied volatility, start to lose premium after the event is over. And so I actually like the distance between strikes. You have to have a little bit of a more stomach here. Obviously, it's a higher price stock. But using a call spread to play to that upside, especially on the charts that Carter laid out, that all-time high right there to get back to that level, seems like it could hit that. All right. Up next, we've got some lookbacks on some consumer trades as a couple of our staples names saw some big moves. Should you rinse and repeat? Don't go anywhere. Options actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Last week, we told you to skip the spam and uh, laid out a bearish trade on Hormel. And the stock has dipped nearly 4% since then, putting this one in the green. So, Carter, what do you make of this price action? Well, pretty bad. I mean, Staples uh, have taken a hit as a group, things like Hershey, General Mills. But this one is under particular pressure. The setup, which is interesting, is a longer base. This stock has quadrupled the performance of the S&P on a 50-year basis. It has a majority shareholder, Hormel Foundations, almost 50% of the float. Uh, but it's, it's losing all of the uh, luster of that very long-term period. My hunch is that it's not over. Mm. Uh, I would continue to be a seller if you're long, and if you're a short seller, retain the trade. All right. And we've got a bonus look back for you tonight. Sticking with Staples, shares of Kroger jumping after delivering better than expected earnings this morning and updating investors on its Albertsons deal news. Mike, you laid out a trade on Kroger a few weeks back that you say represents an easily repeatable fundamental option strategy. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, the strategy that we talked about was a buy right or a covered right if you already own uh, the stock, which is a situation where you sell upside calls to basically collect some premium along the way. And one of the things we often discuss is whether or not it's advisable to sell calls going into catalysts such as earnings. When we discussed this, we actually sold a call that expired prior, uh, although it would have still expired out of the money. But now that catalyst has come and gone. And we've gotten some other news out of Kroger as well. They obviously announced that opioid settlement which I think is important. It's good to sort of get that potential uh, obstacle out of the way. And another obstacle that they faced was antitrust concerns with respect to the merger with Albertsons. And there they're looking at a pretty significant investment, and hopefully that's going to get that across the finish line. So for those reasons, I still like the stock. But I also think that this is one of those things where I'm not expecting any kind of explosive a price action to the upside here. This is sort of steady as she goes, a yield play. I think you can look to sell additional upside calls against the stock that you own. Would you do that, Brian? Yeah, in fact, I was taking a look at it. You look at around the $48, $49 strike, which is really the top end of this channel that it's in, and go maybe, let's call it out towards the end of the year. There's some decent premium to be left. And after the earnings event, like Mike said, is over with, I'm a little bit less afraid of getting called away too soon and instead seeing the stock sort of settle in underneath that and collect some premium on that. So go a couple months out, look at that $49 strike area as a, where to, a place to go ahead and buy right and sell calls. What do you think of Kroger, Carter? Uh, pair twos. Ooh. <laughs> Which is, if everything else is bad, pair twos is a big hand. If other things are better, pair twos, not so good. All right, so meh. All right. <laughs> Up next, we got answers to your questions and the final call, options, actions, back in two. Our new set, first options action from this set. Uh, welcome back. It is time to take some questions. Our first fan asks, is Uber in a cup and handle pattern? If so, how would you play it? 
What do you make of this assessment, Carter, of the charts? Well, I suspect on a very short-term basis, that's exactly what the pattern is, if you look on a week-over-week basis. But a couple things uh, about Uber. One, we know that its IPO price at $42, we've finally gotten it back above that, Mm -hmm. right, from May of, of 2018. And its relative performance lift is at its COVID low. Uber, really, uh, stay long, be long, and I would play it with options uh, or just own the stock. Do you also like Uber, Mike? Yeah, I, I do, actually. You know, I think, uh, you know, this was both, you know, both Uber and Lyft. I think Uber has obviously uh, demonstrated, you know, uh, they've been doing things a little bit better of late. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is, a, this is one to stay long here. All right, let's move on to this one because uh, this, this is a stock everybody asks about. NVIDIA, our second fan, is asking your thoughts on puts on NVIDIA. Brian, your take. Yeah, I mean, the seasonal trader in me says we're in for a little bit of choppiness in the markets, and NVIDIA being a high flyer is probably one to undergo that. So I would buy puts. Maybe a put spread looking at like the 440, 400, or 440, 410 put spread sort of as a hedge so that I can stay in this stock, keep it long, use a put spread sort of to protect it. There's been a lot of rumors on X sort of rumored around NVIDIA cooking the books or whatnot, other analysts denying that. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think we're in some choppy waters here for the next couple of weeks for the market, so buying a put makes sense. How does that chart look, Carter? Well, the, the key here is that it really has made no forward progress since its um, earnings beat, right? It was a very popular number, but there was no follow-through in the price. And so at this point, uh, stall is the word that comes to mind, and I would take measures if I were long. Oh, so it's not just consolidation. Well, it's, it, let's say this, up, down, or sideways cover 100% of the odds. I think sideways or down gets you about 98. All right. Um, this is our last one. Our last fan asks, I have had a lot of success with Amazon put credit spreads at the 135 to 130 level this year, but my brokerage holds on to the max loss amount and ties up funds. Is there a way to avoid this with option, an option setup or collect interest? Mike, what do you say? Yeah, there isn't really. I mean, really, you have to think about this. There's two things. You have the margin requirements, which are regulatory, whether you're Reg T or CPM. And then, of course, what your broker is going to impose. The interest, of course, is going to vary from broker to broker as well. And right now, I'd be a little reluctant to sell 135, 130 put spreads, given the run we've had. All right. Time for the final call. Quickly, Carter. (laughs) Sell Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley. Brian. Brian, a call spread in Oracle, and you guys look good in the new set. (laughs) Thank you, Mike Coe. Call spreads in Adobe. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. All opinions expressed by the Options Action participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Options Action participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Options Action Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Options Action Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.